Hey gang, welcome to episode 157 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, brought to you by Meow Wolf. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, our friend from Think Tank Gallery. Indeed, we recorded this one in the Think Tank Gallery podcast studio using his equipment. It's Jacob Patterson of Think Tank uh, coming to you with news of a triple threat this August. Uh, actually, uh, not even August, like July and August here in Los Angeles. Jacob's going to break down everything uh, in just a little bit. We're getting some like sneak previews of some of the shenanigans they're up to. Art installations, uh, guerrilla art installations, you know, platforms for the, uh, the the immersive community. There's just there's a lot going on. We'll have some of that in the show notes. It's pretty exciting stuff that is happening. Um, I wanted to draw your attention to the center ring for a second uh, and note a couple of things. First off. Um, our buddy Brian Bishop over at The Verge has a feature article on Delusion Lies Within, the VR uh, that's coming from uh, Delusion and Skybound Entertainment. That just went up today. Give it a little love um, because, uh, you know, the the editors and publishers of these very large publications, uh, they pay attention to how well things do. Um, so if, you know, no one clicks on it and no one shares it, then, you know, the verge is all like, nah, no one cares about this immersive garbage. Brian, uh, we're going to send you to review this movie. I mean, they're going to send a review movie anyway, but nevertheless, look, if you want mainstream coverage of this stuff, and I know some of you are like, all like, no, don't tell anyone about my favorite band. Your favorite band has a mortgage. Uh, so if you want, if you want, literally, literally a mortgage, uh, if you want mainstream coverage of this stuff, <clears throat> check out that uh, Let Spread the Word uh, and indeed help Delusion uh, out uh, as they, as they uh, release this beast. But Delusion is not the only folks who have a VR version of one of their shows. Indeed, Just Fix It Productions last Friday surprised us all with a 180 drop of The Willows, which is available in the Amaze app in both um, the Samsung Gear VR and the Oculus Go, which, you know, like more or less the same thing. Um, It's only... $2.99 $2.99 for the whole show. It's multiple track replayable. Um, this 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 thing's kind of a bit of a shocker. What's a sh- the biggest shocker is that it really captures the performances. I just wrote up a review. Uh, it's a very short review. Um, give that some love. Spread that around. Let people know this stuff is happening. The more folks we get looking at these articles, the more folks we get, you know, buying for for like nothing for like three bucks buying the willows on the go and the gear vr just just be be dutiful soldiers of immersive this week and like share i mean youtubers took over the world for a reason they liked they shared they they bought things um so let's use the power of the dollar to get some stuff going on here um all right that's enough shilling on that side of things 
As always, want to give a shout out to our Patreon backers. Our sustaining backers are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you, gentlemen, for being the spine that keeps us standing up straight. Um, much, much more about the Patreon next month. Uh, we're kind of taking a little summer chill here. I'm not beating the drum too hard, but just you know, know that uh, we're we're like we're pretty much like halfway, given everything we've got going on. We're about halfway to self-sustaining and um, there's more than enough work to go around. So, you know, just if you think about it, you know, uh, I'd feel better. That's enough of that. Let's switch over to Think Tank. You know, it's nice to be back in the Think Tank gallery studios. Uh, it's been a hot minute. Um, uh, it's nicer in the fall <laughs> when you don't have to like, okay, we can podcast as long as the, the air conditioning we had held out. Um, it's, it's, it's better in the fall when we're doing it, but it's really nice to be back in that room, back to be sitting across from Jacob and uh, talking. And this stuff was recorded on uh, his Zoom, I'm going to nerd, audio nerd here, he, uh, his Zoom H46, I believe, uh, HN, anyway, his fancy Zoom with the XLR inputs and some audio technics mics, which aren't that expensive and are really good. So I'm smelling an upgrade. Um, yeah, uh, this is the audio kit that I've been uh, thinking about getting for a while. So you're getting kind of a preview of what the show is going to wind up sounding like in not too long, I hope. Uh, I still got to get him to send me like the, <laughs> the list. I took photos. Um, this might happen sooner than later. It, it's not happening with next week's show. Sorry to disappoint, but uh, yeah, but it, it may happen sooner than later. All right. Uh, the openings will still be done on, on the Yeti. Look, you don't care about audio. You care about Jacob and you care about what Think Tank Studio is up to and the shenanigans that are about to be unleashed on Los Angeles. So let's get into it. <laughs> Jacob Patterson, you are on your phone. You're on your phone. I I'm just you tagging you. I'm tagging you, man. You're I'm, tagging me? I'm really stoked to have you back in this room. I'm and stoked it's, to be I'm here. on the other side of the table right now. You're in the host seat. Right. And well, I'm this is where half seat. the time I sit. That's true. Yeah, half the time I sit here, half the time I sit there. Yeah, and behind you now, though, is a is a wall of beer from our sponsor, Lagunitas. We've said that before, that they were a sponsor. Now, half the room is just Lagunitas beer. So it's finally and official. There's Lagunitas beer and lots of t-shirts. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about many True. of those things. So we are back in the Think Tank podcast studio. Mm -hmm. We're using the same setup we used in San Francisco on your podcast mm -hmm. when we were in um, we were in the Hyatt Regency. There's a lot less clanging going around. A lot uh, less uh, clanging. Along and, here. and no fancy Carl the Fog uh, wood smoke based yeah, drink. It's such a shame that no one saw that. It was amazing. So yeah. um, they heard my coughing though. So I think that was proof <laughs> enough. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that was the last time. Last time Jacob and I sat down for any length of time was back in January, uh, the day after Immersive Design Summit. A lot has happened since then. Yeah, it feels like it's been two years, yeah. and it's only been six months. And you guys just started whispering about IDS Future. Why, yes. It's quite possible that by the time this airs, the date will have been announced, but I mm. don't know that for certain, so I'm not going to go and make that assertion now but cool. maybe maybe at the front of the show we'll have something i've had yeah. so many people hit me up asking me about like when can i know about the next one and are yeah. you going to do like a system of like suggestions from people who went to the prior one suggesting people to get into the next one 
like recommendations almost because that's kind of how you got people into the first one it was all like you like sourced a few people but then yeah you know we haven't talked about that so much because i mean one of the things is we're we are gonna it's no secret we're gonna increase capacity right Mm -hmm. we just we have to yeah so many people wanted in yeah so i mean technically i mean look a couple of things are going to happen that i can tell you for certain we're going to increase capacity we're going to increase the amount of time and that means we're going to increase the price right Mm -hmm. so those three things are going to happen um with that in mind that means i know some people are going to tap out for financial reasons and i'm i'm not i'm not ecstatic about that Mm -hmm. in any way shape or form yeah like why would i be um because like everyone everyone who was there last year and more there were more people who deserved to be there than the room could accommodate and once again we could just source probably everyone off everyone who applied mm-hmm. last year and we haven't sat down and said like okay we're going to give everyone like like first crack uh and there's going to be a few things like there were definitely groups that were underrepresented in terms of you know gender identity occupation like there were the hmm. design designer types and people from different career paths who we gladly would have had in the space um that's gonna be impossible though it, like it's it's gonna be as impossible as defining immersive design to say how many different types of occupations are going to be in that room you there were so oh, many different types a, of occupations already yeah well, we won't have a hard quota but there's definitely people who are missing like we didn't have like we didn't have as many people from say like the experiential marketing world Hmm. Right, you know, and I think that's an important. Hmm. We had we had some, but we didn't have we didn't yeah. have a good because especially now that's oh a, it's a segment they were kind of doing it before. Now it's kind of bleeding over into each other now. It's bleeding in over. a way that's like okay in some ways. In some ways, yeah. it's really not okay, but in, in other ways, it's really it well, really it's, is. It's gotten really intense. Yeah, you know, like this this you know what happened down at South by with the Westworld thing. Yeah, true. Like there's there's a lot of folks, and some you know some people will be targeted speakers, and some people will be targeted as guests, and we just. We want to get them in there. Yeah. Um, I have a friend from uh, Cirque du Soleil that really wants to come. Yeah. Well, and I, and I know Cirque's doing some some interesting new cool mm-hmm. stuff. And there's, man, like, yeah, the 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 variety of people who who want to who want to get in on this thing. And like, you know, we could we could probably go crazy with the size of it if we really wanted to this year, but this coming year, but. Once again, you know, we want to we want to make sure that there's that you can wrap your brain around it, mm. right? Like that's the biggest thing to me. Is yeah. to make sure people can wrap their brain around it. There's some talk about doing some other stuff too, but like we'll get into that. And we're not here to talk about <laughs> that. We've spent almost 5 minutes I am. I'm here to talk uh, about yeah. it. Yeah. No, we're going to do a conversation. So what are what are you guys up to? This is why <laughs> like this is what I'm curious about because it's it's been a it's been a minute you've yeah. been you've been stealth mode and that yeah. just means that you're building something big yeah I mean so many things we um it's one of those like be careful what you wish for <laughs> summers for us <laughs> because this time last year we were doing we had just done our first kind of like exhibit outside of the venue <clears throat> this venue which. Now it's called 929 Studio, has been called um, Think Tank Gallery for, you know, eight years. Lots of people still call it Think Tank Gallery. I don't um, correct them when they say that. Um, But we, you know, we went through the whole ghost ship ordeal. We got hit really hard. One of the most public stories of anyone who got hit from that whole situation down in L.A. And then we did a um, pop-up art show in a swap meet and only showed artwork of um, felons and convicts. 
um, in MacArthur Park. And it was like, you know, a gallery that's breaking the law, only showing artists that have broken the law, that kind of thing. And we were like, you know what, we kind of like this. We want to do more shows outside of, you know, the four walls in the fashion district that have contained us for the last six, at that time, six years. Um, And so we said, okay, cool. We're going to set out and make sure that our company is doing, um, you know, we've always done like immersive art. We are going to do site-specific immersive art all over the place. And we're going to approach it as both artists and creative producers. So some will be collaborations, some will be our own productions. And... um, have as many as we can. And this summer, there will be a week when we have three, what we would have called in the past tentpole shows, which is like, you do one of those every three months, maybe one every half a year, if they're really big, we're gonna have three in the same week <clears throat> at three different locations, Melrose, the Santa Monica Pier, and here at, at our headquarters downtown um, at the same time, which is something that you know, we were like, this is what we wanted. This is what we were aiming at. And it's finally here. And now we're like, holy shit, how are we going to do all this? What did we get ourselves into? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start. We uh, we had Nagin on the mm-hmm. show, uh, the Santa Monica Pier. So let's start the pier. Yeah. Let's, let's start the pier and we'll work east. And we're going to go go to the west side of town and work east. Yeah. Yeah. The pier was, I mean... You know, um, and by the way, thank you so much, Nagin, for the kind words on that podcast. I was having a pretty rough couple of weeks, and I listened to her words as affirmation one or two times on that show. Um, but yeah, so she was the um, one of the co-founders of Cartel um, Collaborative Arts, mm-hmm. and or Cartel Creative Artists Collaborative Arts something Cartel Cartel, Cartel Arts. Yeah. So um, and their new CEO Anna has been on our podcast. Uh, which we record in this room as well. But uh, Nagin kind of moved on to a larger, moved to the west side from the east side um, and kind of took a lot of people along with her from the east side. And she's doing all sorts of different crazy shit at the pier now. A lot of really fun, cool stuff. Um, We did their uh, Pier 360 like summer kickoff event recently just did a bunch of art installations for it and that was fun she did like a scavenger hunt some other stuff that was like slightly immersive in it but it wasn't really you know that event's already happening every year so the first program that Nagin has introduced to the pier is an event series called Seesaw and we put out a call for submissions but it's also um, and about half the artists that are you know performing in this thing were from those submissions and half we took along with us from Mm. from prior experiences that we've done but um, it's also our first, you know, it's our first uh, art show that's changing week by week by week for six weeks. It's our first art show on the Santa Monica Pier. And it's also our first art show that's focused exclusively on performance art. We've incorporated a lot of performance art into um, other shows that we've done. But this is the first time that we've ever done uh, performance art specific series. So it's six weeks every Tuesday and Wednesday is a new artist taking over this like immersive installation environment that we're building and then giving their take on that environment. So you've got this installation going and you're going to have different artists. Are all the artists going to be working in sort of an immersive site-specific format or is it sort of up to the artist? Um, It's, I mean, both, but yeah, they're all working in site-specific format pretty much. There's one artist who um, we're just like, all right, this chick is funky. Like, let's just go for it. <laughs> Her name's Stephanie, and she makes these, like, mannequin dance parties in the sky. It's called McDisco. 
McDisco. <laughs> yeah, McDisco. And we were like, okay, I know this is going to be crazy. Let's just, uh, you know, let's go for it. Let's see what happens with this. And then um, we wanted to, that's the only uh, week actually that we uh, tied in two different artists from two different submissions together. Mm. And the second one, I actually, the reason why we're working with them is because I heard them on your show. Ooh. Because it was hard to understand exactly what they were as a lot of artists that are on your show. Um seem to be it's kind of hard to understand what they are until they talk about it for an hour and you're like okay i think i get it and then once you go to it then you're like oh this is what this is and so um the guest and the host oh cool yeah they're doing the guests and the host so instead of a one-on-one experience they're doing something that's more i mean they're all durational but they're doing something that's like every single person that walks in the door is transforming the soundscape instead of like I mean, I haven't done it, so I don't exactly right. know, but it's kind of like from, from what I understand, it's like you have an experience with the host and through the, through like the process of your conversation, you're changing the soundscape as it's happening. Well, to yeah, you. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, you're familiar with Ableton, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, dude's got an Ableton controller mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of musical instruments and of course microphones. So it's your own voice and he's just recording samples and looping them and building them. So I imagine this is a scenario where people are going to come in and they're going to hear what's already been made or they're just going to make up sounds right then and there. And, mm. and then Andrew's going to add it to the mix. Yeah. And then from that, there's going to be like a singular product. It, that's great. Cause like before, I think even on the show and, and in conversations around it, we were talking about, you know, well, what could you do if, you know, ha- if you, you know, other formats for this yeah. and this was definitely another format they were thinking about and so i was thinking like oh you know six months a year like a couple years down the line mm-hmm. maybe boom nope you're just taking them to the pier. well they originally didn't were like no we can't do that it has to be one-on-one mm-hmm. and then after going back and forth with the pier a bunch of times because like nagina was starting a new job too so she had this idea of like what this thing could be mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like nope you're dealing with the city of santa monica like welcome to the party it can't right. be anything at all what you thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and so all this stuff we thought we were going to build we can't build and <clears throat> you know it's a welcome to just, the party pal yeah, yeah it's true it's, it's like a historical cities. landmark no that's true in some ways what you you couldn't burn the whole pier down <laughs> you couldn't take the ferris wheel down turn it out on its side and spin it faster been great. yeah that you know, awesome. release live seals onto the pier make it like san francisco we should it's a do san francisco all this experience stuff. man yeah. you know you turn santa monica into san francisco we're getting <laughs> seals and we're putting them on this the, what what just on a little on, we what we could do is we could take all those like phone like smartphone activated scooters and throw them off the pier at the same time mm, six thousand in a row good. yeah that, that would be very people good. have been doing that because we've been building there a lot people have literally been throwing these things off of the pier oh into the God. ocean on the one hand i'm more than happy to see those because one here's the thing i can't ride a scooter so as far as i'm concerned those things are just garbage <laughs> uh, the only problem is it's like i don't want the sea polluted there are better ways true you take them to a side of the yeah. road and you smash them apart on the side of the road that's true. what you do with them if I, you are so inclined to. Do i will say i they were left in so many shitty places on that goddamn pier that i may or may not have ran over a couple with my truck and i've been like there's no way for them to know i did it until either now. they're paying for it. Right. <laughs> either they're paying for it. I, like that's the to well, me. Well, you ran over them by accident. True. Yeah. Right. I mean, because it's dark. Was that Twitch or you winking at me? I don't. I didn't wink at you. <laughs> what are you trying to imply here? So the thing. The We're thing... Record- Jacob. I need you to understand something. We are recording this podcast. They'll never find them. They'll never find them. I didn't throw it's the ones not, off the ocean. Not... Into the ocean. So. 
the thing that to me the thing is like yes this it's can be used in a court of law i just want you to be very clear it is definitely a technological breakthrough for those things to exist to some degree it's tech you know we had to yeah. be able to invent smartphones and then like qr codes and all that shit but the real breakthrough for the company to exist is in their legal department because they figured out something that allows them to skirt some kind of liability because there's there has to have been so many accidents by now of cars running over oh, those there's, things there's, and there's no way it's the person well, who that, scanned the there thing are right nurses there are nurses who have like just reels of photos of bird accidents really and the problem is it's called bird and one of the companies is called bird so people keep on saying like all oh people are blanking the birds in san francisco people are people having bird accidents i'm like what are people doing with birds and there's oh right those dumb scooters (laughs) and like i know that some tech some tech bros are like oh you know what it's just like it's a better way to experience the city but dude Not everyone can ride one of those things. And yeah. so, like... They're, they're kind of dangerous. I've almost the, been hit multiple times. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I have... I mean, if I clothesline someone by accident <laughs> because they're coming at me on a bird and there's nowhere for me to move, I'm not going to feel bad. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. And there's, like, little kids flying around on them. And I'm like, dude, you guys are going to get hurt. Dude, it's just, To me, it was just, like, trying to do an event when there's 60,000 people on the pier and I'm trying to move a truck in and these things are flying in and out of me and you've seen my truck it's like a big shark yeah it's like it runs on diesel and priuses yeah. and and apparently <laughs> and apparently this birds. little bird scooter, yeah. scooter thing so um in any case I've been dealing a lot with those fucking birds at the pier we're not going to throw them off in mass off the pier at the end of but you might weld them into something night. But that would be awesome if we did. Or weld them into something. <laughs> yeah, that would be also be great. But um I want to see them all get hacked like um what's that that book with, uh, I'll have to remember it later, but There's just for them to all be hacked in mass and just like drive, like take over a freeway or something, oh. something like that would be but incredible. But you can't remote control. I mean, they're, they're not sophisticated enough to be remote controlled. Oh, really? Right, that's the one thing. Yeah. That's cool the downside. Yeah. We'll yeah you think, you're thinking of like a drone. Now, if you could teach a, if you could set it up so that a drone could drive one, I bet you could like have a drone fly in, lock down on one, activate it, and then drive it that way. But I, you might need the extra. You might need the extra balance of the yeah, person. Yeah, it's probably the weight. Unless you go yeah. really fucking fast, just straight. Or you have a bunch of them linked together. Yeah, you know, there you go. Create a more stable base. That requires zip ties and shit. I'm not trying to get into. No, all that. not necessarily. I mean, like if you've got an articulating arm on the drone. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome back to the Anarchist <laughs> Podcast Cookbook Cookbook Podcast. Oh, we're gonna uh, today, get into that too. I got today some anarchist we're just cookbook stuff coming. Today we're discussing using uh, using drones and bird scooters to overthrow <laughs> the overseers. Um, Overseesaw. Overseesaw. That's so, our oh, that's boy. our next show. So. <laughs> but in any case, so yes, there's McDisco guesting the host. Um, the coolest thing, the cool thing about this, um, the place that we're doing this show is that it's basically like if you walk to the very, very, very end of the pier, the last, the the furthest point in the city of Los Angeles that you can walk until you fall off into the ocean and start swimming to Japan. Mm-hmm. There is on, uh, there's these like bleachers. And you can walk to the top of the bleachers, and there's this observation deck, this little observation deck. Anyone listening to this can go there right now. It's open 24 hours a day, I believe. If not, it's open during the daytime, so go in the morning. And um, three quarters of the room are just floor to ceiling windows, mm-hmm. almost floor to like knee height to ceiling windows. And the if you stand in the right place, all you see is ocean. You can't see anything else except ocean all the way around you. So we are covering the. Uh, 
other wall, the you know fourth of those four walls, with mirrors and um, kind of glowing lights behind it, mm. so that the room is entirely ocean when you stand inside of it. And for people, a lot of people, what they're doing is they're taking that concept and they're saying like, okay, you come to the city of dreams and walk to the end of it. So what's at the end of your dreams? And some people are taking that literally in terms of like how like dreamscape type situations and other mm-hmm. people are taking it more narratively as far as like, um, you know, you come here to chase your dreams. And what happens when you don't when you don't catch them? Um, so there's there's a lot of uh, people that you already know, you know, the meta for you guys, Terrence and, and them are going to do something that's really cool, I think. Um, Lola Kelly, who you've had. Oh, yeah. I think you've had her on the show before. Yeah, Lola's great. She did that four thousand dollar ticket. Thing, right five thousand dollars five thousand dollars per <laughs> ticket yeah jesus christ so, i don't i don't people always ask me if that's still going on and as as far as i know it isn't i think she's bringing it back at some point no lola but lola lola isn't with that company anymore from what i know oh i yeah. see well she she basically or i mean maybe she's got some plans she basically know. pitched something that she was like if i wanted to do this in a more populist way what would i do mm. so whereas the last show that she did you know it's the barbell effect it's like you right. want to have stuff that's like really 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 expensive on one side and then stuff that's extremely accessible and free or close to it on the other side oh, yeah. and kind of skip what's in the middle that's a it's like a business philosophy that a lot of people have found great success in doing huh. um so she's going to start charging more for my <laughs> podcast then uh, no the podcast yeah. is the free one you got to charge oh, more for consultation right so one million dollars <laughs> exactly so she's basically pitching her show in in that format like what you know there's a lot a lot a lot of people who couldn't come to that show that want would have wanted to right what if you if she could provide that show to all of those people what would she do the answer is what she's going to perform at seesaw and i think she's our final performance i think she's the closing closing act of those six oh, weeks cool. i'm excited what do you know what company she's operating under the aegis of? Or? This this one is a solo project. A solo project. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. I think she has one or two people with her. Okay. Um I should follow what up with are her the, and see that. What are the dates on all this? Uh it or? starts the last week of July, I believe. It's a okay. Tuesday Wednesday thing and runs until the end of August. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, a new group moves into the space. Glorious. Yeah, the installation will always be there, but the um, and a lot of the lights you see behind you will be living at the pier for quite a while. Ah, and okay. then um, a new performance troupe will give their take on it every time. It's kind of, it's funny because like that's what that's how Think Tank found its DNA wasn't doing that. It was building art shows and art installations, mm-hmm. and then every night inviting a new director of some kind to come give give yeah. their take on what it is so no, the fact this, that we would is, do this show at the pier and it's the same thing is it fits i mean when break bread happened which is when we met right mm-hmm. like that's what that was mm-hmm. and then you kept on iterating on it so mm-hmm. it's fun that you're able to do this in another space exactly. so you've got so that's going to be running for weeks on end then Melrose, you've got a, you've got yeah. some you know, the next tent pole is in Melrose yeah. what's up with that the Melrose one it's going to be insane. If people were to think of what a think tank show would be, like a site-specific, like street interventions, like street art gallery or post-street art gallery, you know, immersive art installation experience, like whatever the fuck we have done over the years and just keep like driving ourselves crazy doing, the Melrose show is it. So we've had um, this company, it's a mezcal excuse me, Mescal brand um, named El Silencio. They have sponsored a whole bunch of our stuff in the past. They sp- sponsored Drinking Smoking West Coast in, I think, 
We actually we met them during Break Bread, but they didn't sponsor Break Bread, and we've worked worked with them on almost every show ever since. Um, when we did Cot here, District Seven Nine Eight, right. the, the um, kind of like Chinese American. I remember weird, it well. <laughs> yeah, that crazy, crazy play. Yeah, they designed um, a lot all the cocktails to match uh, the artwork that was on the wall. So, Silencio has been getting down with us for quite a while. They hit me up recently, and I don't think they'll be embarrassed for me to tell this part of the story. Um, but Taryn, who's their um, VP of marketing, she hit me up and she was like, hey, so we have this new campaign. It's called We Stole the Fire. And, you know, the concept is, you know, every ancient culture has stolen the fire from the gods for man to, you know, capture its own free will. That's like almost every culture has a story of stealing the fire from the gods. And mezcal and tequila comes from that part of of that legend like you steal the fire from the gods and you make tequila and mezcal with it so their new campaign is taking that like legend and stealing it and contemporizing it contempt contemporary 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 i can never yeah don't worry about it so and turning it into more of a modern 2018 approach stealing uh which we took as stealing the fire from Taking gods. someone's phone and hacking into it <laughs> and posting your own selfies, right? And, so, uh, cool, I solved it. Overthrowing the government with birds. Um, <laughs> but seriously, yeah, like, to some degree, stealing the fire from the gods of our government. So, they said, okay, well, we just want to do something, like, we don't know. We want it to be, like, kind of street and gritty. So, we were thinking, like, <laughs> allow a bunch Sorry. of... Sorry. <laughs> it's the same, that's the same re- reaction that I had. They were like, we want to have a bunch of artists like break into our parking lot and tag up all our trucks and we catch on security cam footage. And we're like, oh, you know what? We're cool, though. So we're going to um, I'm trying to say this without talking shit about them because the way she approached me was like, this sounds tone deaf to me. So let's not do it. Do you right. have a better idea? That's basically right. what she came to me with. And she's like, so we'll use the security cam footage and like make that our new campaign. And I was, she's like, is that tone deaf? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. I mean, street arts, street arts definitely, and graffiti is definitely about not doing that type of stuff. And like, instead, what you should do is throw all of your money into the legal department and then let people actually commit some of these crimes, find out what the actual um, fines and settlements are before you approach the you know criminal um, criminal court part of this mm. situation, and then just pay all their legal fees instead. There's a company called Ruka that. In there, it's a streetwear company, and in in legend has it that in their contracts, if an artist gets arrested for you know committing vandalism crimes and, and you know going out and doing their art on the streets and and getting caught up on in graffiti cases, that Ruka will pay the bail, and all they have to do is thank them on Instagram, and because of that, or like thank them publicly somehow, and because of that, they have this huge following of people that all want to be with Ruka, and it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant plan because it's it's genuine. It's it's brilliant marketing. It's genuine. It's also deeply dystopian, right? Like, <laughs> which is gonna, beautiful. We're gonna we're gonna build our brand off off fighting the carceral state through fees. Like that's like we, we've hit a dark spot. They weren't in saying they're gonna fight it. Well, they're not saying they're gonna fight it. They're saying, do you? And we'll support you doing you. Right. Their goal is not to fight to fight the government through right. graffiti art. But if their artist's goals are to do that, all Ruka's saying is that we support you and your and your your dreams in that way. That's it's it's a it's a it's a weird incentive though, man. Like, <laughs> let's think this through. Like if they're I mean, granted, I'm sure they'd be happy if there were no longer like fines and fees, but like if there's if there were no fines and fees in the first place, they couldn't, you know. Yeah. They couldn't get artists to 
true be be their patron you know to show patronage a lot yeah, you're definitely right and oh to be fair i've never seen this contract and i could even be misspeaking on which brand it is but i, I believe it's ruka because i have a friend who signed a ruka and he was the one who was telling me about it but yeah. he could have been telling me about a different brand in any case there's a streetwear brand that does it so i kind of just like told silencio to do something like that and i was like you know what why and i had just spoken to my mentor um, Sarah Evershed, who's been, or Sarah Penna now, who's been on our podcast as well. Really, really great episode when I re- interviewed her. Um, and she, she used to be my manager, and I was just like going through some shit. And I called her and I was like, hey, I'm going through all these problems, and you know, give me some advice. And she was like, say no, learn to say no. But you always think like, learn to say no means don't take on so many things. She was like, that's right. not what it means. Mm. Learn to say no is say no, but we could do this instead or we could do it this way instead. It's like more of a, it's more of a compromise type of situation. Mm. And an hour later, Silencio called me with that and I was like, no, but why don't you give me all the money that you're going to spend on this campaign and let me pitch you something else. And she was like, okay, like, let me see. Let me talk to the team and see what they say. Two days later, she came back. She was like, pitch me something. And I walked in and I was like, there is one brand on earth that I can pitch this project to. Um, they, you know, you sponsored a bunch of our art shows. So no matter what, she was just going to let us, they don't even know what the art show is. They're letting us throw an art show and they're just putting their name on it. And, and, and that's that, that's, that's always how that part goes. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it would probably be a shitty art show if they did try to have input on what artists right. that were selecting for the and show. They're, and they're, they're wise enough to know that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for the rest of this stuff, the street campaign stuff, these are essentially like PR marketing stunts for them that we're con- trying to convince them to let us do this with their mm. brand. And so I told them there's only one company on earth that I could imagine saying yes to what I'm about to pitch you and you're it, which was a good way to butter them up because the next <laughs> thing I said is we want to make Molotov cocktails out of your product. Whoa. And to their credit, they were like, and then I said, and we want to sell them on Melrose Avenue. And to their credit, they were like, fuck it, let's do it. So we're making a Molotov cocktail vending machine that's going to sit outside 100% legally. And people can walk up and buy a Molotov cocktail out of it. It will not have the kerosene inside of it. Right. But you are, we, and then once But it'll you, have everything else you need. Everything else you need besides the fire. And so all of this. So ties bottle into, and rag. Yep. And they already had bandanas, which is awesome. So there's bandanas stuffed inside it. We're customizing their product. They don't, again, don't know what that's going to look like. They're like, just take it, do what you want with it. And then on it will be instructions. You mentioned Anarchist Cookbook before. Oh my God. I've long wanted to do an art show called The Anarchist Cookbook Cooking Show. And just hire a lawyer and pay him millions of dollars and say. I just, I just want to point out to everyone, we did not. <laughs> This is like a magic trick. We did not discuss this beforehand. Those jokes were made as jokes. And now... You had oh no boy. idea what you were getting yourself into. Uh, no, none whatsoever. And so I'm I hiring Noah's lawyer what? to get me to the... No, no, don't, if, don't say that because my lawyer would be very upset if he says... If there, are, if there are a hundred steps to create all of the things in the Anarchist Cookbook, which that guy's really upset. Like He's been trying to get that book off the shelves. Have you seen the documentary no, on Netflix? No. Oh, it's such a good documentary. you got to watch okay, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but just look up like the Anarchist Cookbook Guy Netflix documentary. Um, he's been trying to get that thing off the shelves, and so I think it would be a really interesting show to take everything to the last step before you're like committing felony of conspiracy on Mm. building these bombs so like the last step will be opaque no one who walks into the show would know the this is the last step to make this thing that i'm witnessing as an art object into a bomb and we want to kind of do the same thing because the concoction that goes inside of a molotov cocktail is not as simple to make it's just pouring kerosene in a bottle it's not that simple right so we are essentially on the bottle when people get it they're going to see um instructions on how to complete their art object I say in quotes, it's 
they're they're coming very very close to actually building a Molotov cocktail, which in our mind um, and the minds of pretty much any, anyone that's ever seen a Molotov cocktail is a symbol of liberty. It's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol of resistance for sure. Um, there's never been. We're arguing that there's never been a Molotov cocktail created in practice in um, in for the sake of irony. There's never been one that's been made that didn't represent resistance mm. or reconfiguration in some way. And because of that, that is we're we're theming the entire art show around a Molotov cocktail. So the next, you know, this vending machine will exist on Melrose right. Avenue, and the next. Um, piece after that there will be multiple street interventions that take place the next piece after that will be almost it'll function almost as a scavenger hunt where what do you need next you need the lighter we're, we're making hand etched lighters that will exist in a really 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 fucking cool setting that i don't want right. to spoil too much because yeah. i just gave away film america's entire installation yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. your audience so i'm totally down for that yeah, yeah. um but we haven't shared that, that part with anybody else by the way when does this come out I'm wondering if the Molotov cocktail machine will already be there or if I'm spilling the beans. Um, I mean, it could come out this Friday. It could come out the Friday after next. Okay. I'm cool with either of those. Yeah. I, I will not it's, describe... It's not happening until August, right? This. Yeah, but yeah. these street interventions start next week. Oh, okay. The thing you just walked in and saw that we're mm-hmm. building in the middle of the gallery, yeah. there's a um, book called The Monkey Wrench Gang, and anyone who under- who has seen that, um, R. Crumb, yeah, the yeah. illustrator. Sorry, I was sick last week. Forgive my sniffling. Um but uh, the illustrator Crum, he uh, illustrated this book called The Monkey Ranch Gang, which was all about burning down billboards and saying fuck you to advertising um, space, stealing public space. And so a lot of our show is about that. And we're building these like abstract objects that fit snugly within the fire department and LADBS standards of the biggest thing you can possibly build without needing a permit and putting it in the street. Mm. And each of them will interact with one another on a weekly basis until we get to an art show at the end on August 4th. This will run this week. So don't, don't bring up anything else. I will not say don't anything spoil else. anything else. Not on the line. You can tell me, but they're going to be cool. And the artist who's the, putting them the, together, the vending machine sounds, it's going to be dope. amazing. Yeah. Look up the artist, Phil America. We also did a podcast with him, which was great, but um, look up that the artist, Phil America, anyone who's listening to this, look up his work and just to get like a visual of, you know, the kinds of things that we're describing, all of his work, he has put him, his his personal freedom on the line for his art many, many, many times, including hopping the border wall and installing American flags made out of illegal immigrants' clothes that have been deported at the border mm. on the wall. He's framed them and put an art exhibit on the border wall between the United States and Mexico. And he puts his, his own personal safety and freedom on the line for his artwork all the fucking time, just for people that he believes are underserved. And I'm really excited to be collaborating with him on this level because what he's doing is bold. And uh, we figured out something that I think is really bold and volatile and gotten a company. Just the fact that a company said yes to let us do it with their product actually makes it stronger rather than in many cases when you get that kind of sponsorship, it makes the artwork weaker. In this case, it's the opposite, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's something... We're entering into this weird phase of almost like post-capitalism where corporations themselves are starting to embrace some of the tenants Mm. because, and, and sometimes it can be because of, you know, I'll say like a cynical maneuvering, right? You gotta, the only way to like count yourself as counterculture when the culture's gone so far one way is to like, you know, ride into the wind. But you can't do that entirely insincerely 
like it's the old fake it till you make it. And if you're yeah. if you're faking if you spend your time being a fake anti corporate brand, but if all your actions are challenging the corporate hierarchy, well yeah. then guess what? You've accidentally become actually anti corporate. Yeah. While you're at it. Well, I mean, the way we pitched it to them, again, they were brilliant in in what they said. Any input that they've provided on this project was through um they're they're the one of the most socially aware companies that I've ever seen, mm. and I don't say that lightly. It's difficult to be um, socially aware as as much as they are. That's it never gets awkward with them because they're always aware of like everybody and everyone in the room. Well, if they would come and say like, "Is that tone deaf?" Right? I mean, there's there's mm. there's stuff. Oh God, there's stuff that that I've encountered of late where people never thought. They mm. don't think to ask the question. They're, they're maybe they're just trying to figure things out for themselves. Mm. Uh, they've got their point of view. They, they, they sort of the point is to like express yourself, express your point of view. And you haven't come to that point where you realize that because the final assembly point is in someone else's head, you got to be considering about how it's going to hit their ears. Yeah, true. Right. Sound is made to be heard. Hmm. You know, statements are made to be heard. And if you don't know what the filter is on the person that you're trying to talk to, then what you may be intending to say can get completely distorted, distorted. Hmm. Hmm. I think we see that in so much art and culture right now. Um, There's a Erica Badu line. What, what good do your words do if they can't understand you? It's a mm. it's a very simple. Fr- I mean, leave it to Badu to say it as eloquently well, as it can possibly be said. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah. But she has said some beautiful things as well in oh, the past, yeah, no. and that is the line I have to think of all the time in a directorial role. That is something that you have to. It's the most difficult thing because you'll never perfect that. Right. You'll always be saying things and not those things not coming across to your audience as well as you thought they were going yeah. to like it's always you're always having to read that situation well and when you're trying to like you know articulate intent right mm-hmm. like it's it's not i had a thing recently where i encountered something and it was just like i'll tell you offline it was just i mean what was coming through was just like not good and mm-hmm. like wounded wounding from you or from and them uh, from from the thing, well, this is the problem with the participatory art is suddenly you find yourself complicit in something that you never intended to be complicit mm. in, right? Mm. And and that opens up a lot of interesting questions. And in, in sort of like in a, a back and forth afterwards, where I was expressing that like I was not happy uh, with with how things gone down, I was in fact disappointed in myself that I hadn't I hadn't asserted the my point of view stronger. I felt social mm. pressure and I caved. And I'll I'll actually I'll always. I'll always feel guilty that I caved to social pressure in this situation. I mean, no, no one, no, everyone, no one got physically hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I just want to be, be clear about that. No one got physically or, mm-hmm. or emotionally hurt. Is this a situation that like people in the scene know of right now? So you're, you're being vague right no, now? No, because... it's just, it's just, it's embarrassing is what mm-hmm. it is. It's embarrassing. It's on the one hand. Uh, and on the other hand, the reason why I'm being vague about it is like, I could tell, that the people doing it, they didn't have the contextual information. Like they're not, they're not Americans, so they don't know mm. about some of the stuff. And so it was like breaking it down to them and saying, like, look, this 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 situation is not cool. Hmm. And like, well, I don't understand why it's not cool. And it's like, okay, well, because of this. It's like, well, in our culture, that that hmm. that would be fine. It's like, yeah, I know. Here, for all these reasons, it's hmm. it's just not cool. Hmm. 
uh, it's not cool. And and there's this there's this interesting thing about America where we are right now. And I think that if we can get through the eye of this needle, we're going to be very strong. Hmm. But it is like a, a earthquake shattering, you know, structural yeah. thing. As we move towards a pluralistic society, f that, we're in a pluralistic society right now. I don't know if we're certain. I don't. I haven't looked at the math recently. I don't know if like white people only make up forty nine percent of the population. Hmm. But if we aren't at, um, you know, variously been called like a a minority majority. If we aren't there yet, um, we're so close. And indeed, a lot Hmm. of what we're seeing politically is a backlash against that yeah. as that group shrinks down the out, silent majority and, and well not that. even the silent it's not not silent majority because that's that's something else that, that the silent majority uh, i would argue is a myth hmm. that that there's this uh large group of people who have really reactionary values uh, and they just don't speak up. I think it's exactly the opposite. Mm. There's a very vocal minority that has reactionary values, and they use every tool at their disposal to sound louder than they actually are. The silent mm. majority uh, would be the people who are on the other side, uh, not or who are kind of in the middle, not progressives, not people who articulate, folks who are just trying to fucking get along with their lives, the Mm. people who didn't vote in the last election, the people who kind of don't know what's going on now politically, like they Mm. only follow at a distance, right? Um, Because, not because uh, they they don't care, but because they're burdened so much by their own lives that they hmm. they don't have the ability to, hmm. to to engage. And some of that's by design, right? You know, you keep the population worried about where their next paycheck's coming from and if it's going to be able to pay for health care and what's going on with their kids. They don't have time to go to hmm. a city council meeting. They don't have time to canvas. Yeah, like they don't have time to read that you know Michael Pollan book all about drugs that's changing like the drug market right now they don't have time for any of that shit because Mm. they're making ends meet by working their full-time job and then hopping in their car and driving for lyft for four or five hours before they go back to you know help their kids with their homework Mm. right yeah that's silent majority Mm. um but boom 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 so someone from outside of this culture doesn't necessarily know like Mm any of this stuff that has the context. And so, you know, it's not fair to put them on blast because they didn't occur to them, you know, like, and, and this gets back to El Silencio. A lot of corporate folks, a lot of people doing marketing, same thing. It's like, Oh, we didn't even think about this, right? Like, why would we think about that? The fact that someone can walk in and from minute one be, is this tone deaf? Like, I'm not sure that kind of like, I need to check myself real quick and just see how this is reading. That's a good sign. Yeah. And that's a move towards what we do in a pluralistic society, which is to ask, how is this coming off? Who is this for? Um, Yeah. And and, and to their credit, they were, there, there were many places and, and I've done this as well in this campaign, like hiring our lead photographer, telling him, you go out, hit the streets. I don't even want to know. In fact, it's very important that I do not know what you're doing when you go out there. Because if I don't know, there is 100%, the only 
option that Silencio has, if one of your friends goes out and tags something he's not supposed to tag, and we put this thing out in the street and say, hey, come fucking tag it, the only option Silencio has at that point is deniability. They're like, I actually literally don't know what happened. They're like four degrees removed by the time some guy goes out. If you do a street art show and someone tags up the block, that's what Beyond the Street is dealing with right now. Mm. My fabricator is out there for all my neon. Yeah. And the whole neighborhood is so pissed that they're there because the graffiti cleaning team, they had to pay all in advance to have the graffiti teaming, graffiti cleaning team out there, like the buff men, mm-hmm. out there every day. They had to pay them day rates every day for the entire show run up front. To some degree, this is what I've heard. Mm. And in order for that show to exist there, because they were like, no, we're not going to do a graffiti show in an industrial area. The place is going to get tagged up like fucking crazy. And the buff men come out every single day, buff it at lunchtime. By nighttime, it's all covered in graffiti again. They're all upset. For Beyond the Streets, they did what they could to prevent that, so they're okay. Silencio, their approach to it is if we're going to do a street art show, we don't want everyone tagging up the whole block and we get in trouble. So they actually don't know. They're... In, a, in the opposite of a tone-deaf manner, they've just said, you guys do what you're going to do. We hired you for this stuff. You do whatever you want. And nobody, you know, we won't, no one will get in trouble for something that we didn't even know that was going to happen. Right. It's not like we're encouraging that thing to happen. Right. It's like, we don't want you to do anything that you're not supposed to do. You've got, you've got juicy targets right here. Yeah. But if you do something, please don't tell me that you did. Yeah. Originally, they were they gave us they were going to take a billboard, and they gave us the billboard, and they said, "What would you do with this if you you know could have this billboard?" Right. And we said, "All we would do is we would put on it tag here, and that's it." And they we pitched them twenty things, and that was the one they picked. They were like, "Sounds great. Put tag here on it." And then they were going to get us up onto the billboard once or twice. You have to have some kind of permit to mm-hmm. get up onto it and let us tag it with whoever that we wanted to have access to it on that day. Yeah. So they're they're pretty clever with the things that they're saying yes to. It's it's a curatorial role that they're taking nice. to some degree. But um but yeah, they're doing some pretty cool shit. All right. So that's temple number two. Yeah. Temple three here back at headquarters. This I was trying all day to get permission to talk about mm. and they were basically like nah you can't really talk about okay. it so the do things we know do we know when it's going i'm you... hoping to hire terrence again okay. i can say that um not confirmed yet but i think he talked to them today can so, you say can you say when it's happening august august four or five days in august it'll be mainly a daytime thing there's a mm. media preview night which you will be invited to i think it's on it's a thursday first thursday of august second thursday of august okay. nighttime thing all right um, I'm running the bar for it. So we're going to do an immersive kind of like bar experience, hire actors and have the drinks all be themed and they'll be handed to you at opportune times in a, an immersive way and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, the, one of the, the guys who was in charge, he's from New York and he was like, yeah, he walked into the space. I, it was funny cause they were, I was walking them out and as he was walking out, he was talking to the contractors in charge of building the environments. He was like, yeah, I saw this thing in New York. We have a lot of it in New York. I don't know if it even exists in L.A. It's called immersive theater. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I went to one called Sleep No More. wasn't my cup of tea, but I've been to this one called Then She Fell like five times, and I love it. <laughs> and I was like just waiting for him, just kind of like politely sitting there. And I was like, 
yeah, you came to the right place, man. Like I, most of the time people who are doing immersive things come to me because someone else in the immersive community was like, Oh, think tank will support what you're trying to do. Yeah. So like go to them yeah. um, or, Oh, think tank can permit what you're trying to do. So go to them. Usually that's the way it comes. It's very rare that someone comes to me, books with me hundred percent. The ink is dry on the contract. Yeah. And then they bring up immersive theater and say, yeah. do you think we can add an immersive element? I heard of this thing before it's called immersive theater. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know a couple people. Let me, let me introduce you. So, I might, depending on how deep they go down this rabbit hole and what Terrence can convince them to do, I might introduce them to you and you might want to bring them on your show. Because if Terrence gets what he's aiming at, it's going to be a really fucking cool show. I just don't know. There's so many different players involved. I don't know how much they'll be able to go. I can say, though, it's kind of like one of those walking tour type things. It might have some slight selfie palace elements, some very, very cool, huge brands. One of them that they don't even know this, but we have parodied that brand in the exact spot that they are building their installation. They didn't know it. Again, I have to explain. This could be used (laughs) against you in a court of law. No, the last time that we did it, it was a satirical play on words of the name of their company that we built in that location. Mm -hmm. And they're building an actual immersive environment in the same exact location, which I was just like, Art imitates commerce. Yeah, it's so great. Commerce imitates art. And it will be themed after the childhood era of our generation i can say that and at that point i should probably stop talking yeah you've probably be be careful young padawan <laughs> you, you gotta don't don't count your installations before they've been selfie okay it's just what i'm trying to say here. I mean, i'll take i'll take what you get it took me a second to understand the phrase that you were that you were alluding to but i, <laughs> I caught it only because that phrase is one that Count your chickens before they hatch is one I use almost every day, mm. especially right now when we're like between deposits, retainers, and final payments. It's <laughs> so one of those. You should know this. Yeah, then. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but that that was pretty much the limit of what they said I could say today, okay. and I really hope it's going to be awesome. And hopefully, what happens is that they do hire Terrence, and I, mean, I have no idea because I don't know if they went. They had to like talk to a whole bunch of companies to do this or not. Hopefully, they hire Terrence, and then Terrence is also doing Seesaw, and then you bring Terrence on, he could talk about a whole bunch of shit that he has coming up in the next few months because it'll be a lot if. I have anything to say about it. Yes. Yeah. And the thing that you, I think you were the one who introduced me to Terrence to do the um, show that we did at the Santa Anita racetracks on Derby day, which was the fucking coolest thing that we've ever oh, done I, only it, because Terrence is such a beast. It could have been, I mean, it could have been any lesser cause she, cause she had it done might, a piece yeah. because Terrence was in here yeah. when she did elevate. I mean, I met him there, yeah. but just like quick, like in passing and I kept getting him mixed up with Tad. Yeah, <laughs> they're, like, both, they're both very tall. Yeah, so and there was and a Tad. you know I had so many different Terrence things going on. Show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh that's that's a collaboration that happened. So. <laughs> it should. So I so many times I was just like, you know, and then Terrence was like, I, I called him and I was like, hey, do you think you can pretend to be Charles Bukowski and insult guests as they walk in the door? And he was like, yeah, I think I can do that. And we as we set up at the Santa Anita racetracks. We, they have these big, have you ever been to the racetracks? Have you ever been on horses up no, there? No, no. I should take you sometime. Do you, unless you have ethical, like, if you're not okay with it ethically, which a lot of my friends dogs, are not. Dogs, dogs not cool lot, with. Yeah, dogs, a lot of people say dogs are not cool with. Dogs not cool I've with. I've never seen horses, dogs. But. Horses, I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of neutral. Like, I, I probably should be against it. I don't know why. Like, it I think feels, a lot but. of horses who horse race have actually good lives. So there's a lot that also don't. Oh yeah, no. Like really horrible there's, lives. There's but. there's plenty of animals that have absolutely terrible lives. Yeah. So, but this this the racetrack, most beautiful, in my opinion, the most beautiful beautiful venue 
in Los Angeles. You're mm-hmm. looking at the foothills in Monrovia. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the Arboretum's out there. It's really cool. Arboretum's yeah. across the street, yeah, actually, yeah. It's and it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah, I've been there many times. Um, and they have these, you know, for people who are showing up the racetracks for the first time because their attendance is nowhere near what it was like in, you know, the 50s and 60s and whatever. Well, there's nothing to do. They didn't have Netflix in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> yeah, very true. So, so you would... Uh, you know, when you come there, it's actually kind of complicated to learn how to bet. If I wanted to bet $5 on the number two horse oh, named... that's like, right. That's why I've never done it, because I looked into it once, and I was like, I don't understand. This isn't like Scratchers. Oh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> if I said I want to bet $5... It's not on... even like betting a line in football. Like, you know. Sorry, if you if I said to I want to bet $5 on Noah's Scratcher in the third <laughs> race to um come in second place right. i would say um i want five Two. on three um four three to show right. that's a complicated thing yeah, for yeah. people to be able to pick yeah. up win 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 place show. show yeah right. so um and show is like first second third place first and second yeah. so in any case they have these big booths that say ask me how to bet and they're red and they have this like cool little font on it and they have these like little tent things. Mm-hmm. And so we completely stole all of their branding without telling them and created a installation called Ask Me How to Bet on the Losing Horse. And <laughs> or, originally it was so great Oh my god! because most people who come there, they were there to see Think Tank. They'd never been to the racetracks before. There was a motorcycle show on the same day. It was also Cinco de Mayo, which was like, are you going to die from gin or tequila? Like pick, pick one or the other. Why do I have to pick? <laughs> you just Can die I from both? both. So we, exactly. We did Mezcal Mules, which was oh, like a gin god. drink made with Mezcal. It was awesome. And so we, uh, people, you know, they would show up and we found out. Um, and the park also found out because we just kept going up the ladder to the entire chain of command until we were deep underground in the security office of a um, gambling facility, which I did not know how much of a lockdown that would be because you're betting on horses in this place to find out that we had broken federal law with our art installation and the security, the lead of security, they told me they were firing him. I think they were just trying, they were pissed off and they were trying to like, let me know how dramatic the situation was, but we had set up in this old abandoned 1930s bedding window that no one had used in God knows how long, probably four or five decades. Mm-hmm. But at the far, 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 far end, there's probably a hundred bedding boots. Right. The last, we were on one end, at the right. very end, like right. boots no one, one, two, and three. You had, yeah. to, you had to walk down there really far. To and, get out, to and out boots 95 through 100, they mm-hmm. had five bedding windows open. And so because of the fact that they were in that room, um, money was being exchanged. You had to have a license to accept money for gambling to be inside of it. And we had broken state and federal law. Federal, I think it was either state or federal law by having Terrence in that room. And so we, the, the guy who ran events for the park like flew up on his little like cart thing and he was like, you can't fucking do this. And to his credit, I stood there and talked to him for a minute, explained what my installation was. And he was like, God damn it, you little asshole. Like, okay, give me a fucking second. I'll find a place for you. And so he found this old informational booth, which made the piece so much better because he was next, Terrence ended up being next door to the actual Ask Me wait, How to wait, Bet so, on Horses. So time out, so time out, time out, time out. So you guys had chosen a betting window mm-hmm. far away from everything else. So that we'd be the only thing over there in that right. whole section of the park. But because they had five betting windows in the in same that, building, in the same building, when the building's like half a mile or whatever yeah, the hell. Yeah. Right? It was the entire infield almost. Right. Um, how did How did they, who let you have the... There was, was a security guy. So there was an in, an event in the infield, mm-hmm. and there was a guy hosting the event in the infield. And, and mind you, we're, we're doing this on Derby Day. Right. It's 
the busiest day in right. racetracks in the entire world. Right, right, right. All of them world worldwide are all on their busiest day of the year. Because they're, so they so, they're all taking bets on the Kentucky yeah. Derby. Like the thing exactly. people don't know is they're, they're effectively, they're all networked. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And they do live races and then the whole park shuts down for the actual Derby race and, mm. you know, billions of dollars worldwide are probably being bet on those right. like two or three minutes. And then and they just said go. Resumes. They just said go use that one over there. They said you'll be fine. Just so they, no one had told they them. Don't, I don't think no the park even them. knew what we were doing. I think right. that the park knew that we were doing this giant event in the infield, and we were one element of it. And right. I don't think they even knew what they, they don't. Even, they probably didn't even know what immersive theater is. Right. And so what ended up happening? Well, this is, this would be this would be a, a an activation, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. And so we thought what would happen is all of our guests would walk up. We had enough to make like, I think twenty two drinks or something, mm-hmm. which we were handing out drinks in the middle of like as part of the activation. Right. And then that would be it. And we people would come to because we also had a like a big art installation there that was like right. attracting a lot of attention. And then we thought people would walk up to our art installation we, and we would say, hey, walk over to that booth right there and talk to that guy. Right. That's what we thought was going to happen over and over, over throughout the day. Right. Instead, we broke state or federal law. I can't remember which one. And then we got moved to a location which was exactly what we were mocking with our design, but we didn't know we were going to be right next to it. Because we had had security, we had had so many conversations with security on where we could be. The races were halfway over. We had lost half of our time, and I was getting really upset by that point. Mm. So they finally moved us, and Terrence was like, "Dude, you're you're being a producer. Just do what producers do. Just make it happen. Just like you know, go with the flow. You got to make it." And you know, Terrence, he's the most soothing voice oh, of all he's time. So chill. So he and he brought his girl, who's a bartender, so she was helping him too. And then oh, that's what, right, Carly. <clears throat> Carly mixes yeah. drinks. I yeah. keep forgetting she had, she's a, there's a whole video show she's on that's about cocktails oh, i cool. need to get her to mix drinks so. <laughs> yeah you should <laughs> so the, what ended up happening is they put us right where the grandstand starts so like anyone who had had bought tickets to like the nice seats mm-hmm. had to enter through the corridor that we were set up in we were at the very place where it transferred from indoors to outdoors <laughs> next door <laughs> to the actual information booth so as people walked up they thought we were information and so what terrence very very cleverly because he co-wrote the piece with me right. what he very cleverly started doing is he just started saying Hey, like people would walk up and they would be like, Hey, do you have, I told them to act like Bukowski. So they'd be like, Hey, um, do I ha- like, whatever, do I have to sit in a particular seat with this ticket or something? And he'd be like, I can't help you with anything like that. And they'd be like, excuse me. And he's like, I can only help you with, uh, how to bet on the losing horse. You look like a loser to me. Are you thirsty? <laughs> and they'd be like, excuse me. And a lot of people would just turn around and walk away. And he was like, if you want someone more helpful, more helpful than me, they're right there. But a lot of people would be like, excuse me. And then Carly would stick a drink out the window and they'd be like, I'll take a fucking free drink. And we would literally teach them how to bet on the losing horse while reading, uh, poems that Bukowski wrote about how much he hated all the people at Santa Anita racetracks. And, they would drink a drink and he would, they would try to tip him or whatever. And he would say, no, save your tip, put it on the losing horse. And I bet on every single losing horse that he suggested. And a lot of my friends did. And in the end, I think we made like four or $500. Like he bet on so many great, cause you only put $2 down, but you stand to win like 80 bucks. Right. So we won so much fucking money on it. People <laughs> were, people Wait, were, <laughs> could you win while you were employees of the, you weren't employees of the park. Oh man, this is complicated. <laughs> it was so I can great. see why this is complicated. It was so great. It came out so great. And what would happen is like, I'd be cheering like, yeah. And people would be like, Oh, you bet. Why'd you bet on that horse? And would be like, that guy told me to. And then they would, I would watch them walk down and they'd be, they would go have their little interaction, little interaction with them. They would like cheers drinks through the glass and then and Terrence got wasted by the way he was having a good old time and then it said well, no smoking method there. actor method actor yeah, yeah. yeah. It said no smoking there we're smoking we're having 
time of our lives. And then they would like drink their drink and I would watch them walk up to their friends and I could, you couldn't hear them because it's so loud in the park, but I would see them like pointing and like cheering and holding their drink up. And then their whole group of friends would walk over to Terrence. And these people have never seen immersive theater in their life. Like right. this was the most disruptive, like literally disruptive. We mocked the installation booth and then mocked every single person that walked up to us, um, the information booth to ask for information. We would like, call them a loser is the first thing that we said right to their face. And some people were like, I sat with Charles Bukowski at that bar back here in like what, in like 1979 or whatever. And they would tell Terrence stories about it. And he was just, it was, it was great. So from that moment forward, I fell in love with Terrence. I thank you and Annie Lesser for making it happen. And any chance I get to hire that motherfucker, I'm going to do it. Nice. <laughs> nice. So that's August. And then one thing I can talk about is, um, October, the uh, LAX Festival is using this as one of their main HQs of immersive theater, which uh, I was For talking to Miranda know, yesterday. That is a live arts exchange. Uh, yeah. Miranda Wright has been on the show, LA Performance Practice. Uh, they'll still be at the bootleg, I imagine. This I year? don't. I don't you know. know. They said that we will be one of their primary venues, okay. and I'm sure um, they'll still use Automata. Yeah. Yeah, which is exciting yeah. for me because we've always kind of wanted to do an immersive theater, and I still want to do this. Yeah. I would love to just build a bunch of sets in this place. And, you know, we always build shows and then make them adaptable for immersive theater, which there's so many different directors and producers and actors that can come into any space and make something. Right. Like, people can be in this tiny little room. Like, Annie's a perfect example. She did her show in a bathtub, you know? And, like, that's it, it, that's exactly what all of the artists in our community are most capable of, is taking any environment and adapting it into, or using it as inspiration, actually, site-specific inspiration to create a piece. I've long wanted to just use all the spaces that are already here and build a bunch of spaces and invite a ton of artists to come into the space to um, create a kind of immersive theater festival. So the fact that Miranda's doing it here in October is really exciting for me um, to see someone who's obviously like far better at it than I am because I'm usually on the like location management side of things to watch a pro in action. And I'm really stoked for that to, to, to happen in October. Yeah, no... LAX has often got some really good stuff. In yeah, it, I've never so. been. Is it is it similar to like Fringe? No, it's I mean no, it's it's highly curated. It's more on the experimental performance side. So mm -hmm. like I mean, LA performance practice is all about contemporary performance, and so there will often be maybe a couple of pieces that are immersive, qua immersive. But there's a good amount of site specific work, and there's off and then there's a lot of you know just what we would call contemporary performance, where it's things that are sort of outside the box, not really the stuff that no pro covers, but but good work, cool, good good moving, interesting, challenging work. I've seen a lot of great stuff over the years as part of that festival. I'm excited you guys get to be part of that. Yeah, so am I. All right. Uh, this is coming in in just about an hour. You got another beer. I'm sure we got a few things talking <laughs> afterwards. And I hope to God this thing actually recorded. But um, how does everyone find you? Um, the best place to find us is probably Instagram.com slash ThinkTankDTLA. Or if you go to ThinkTank.Gallery, there's no .com after that, just ThinkTank.Gallery, um, you'll see our newsletter. And we put out a pretty well-curated announcement of everything that we have coming up on there. All right. We got to get the air conditioning back on this month, so we're going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I pray this recorded because this was a fun one. Once again, I want to thank our guest and friend, Jacob Patterson of Think Tank Gallery, for being on the show today. <laughs> 
I always like, sometimes I say guest in the first part, whatever, like I stumbled through this. I stumbled through life. We all, we all know this. Um, Hey, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about some stuff real fast. Um, just, just, uh, we're on a really good sort of philosophical run right now. Last week's episode with Sean Stewart was one of my all-time favorites. And I'm seeing that a lot of you are enjoying it as well. And I'm really glad to see that. It's it's always great to see when people really like an episode and, and really like where we go on an episode. Because it helps me figure out what we should be doing. Um, not that I don't have ideas. Oh, I got lots of ideas. But um, it's really helpful to know that you guys respond to the philosophical stuff. Um because sometimes it feels like I'm just doing that for me. Uh, but I'm glad that f- folks enjoy that as we, we dive in deeper and sort of tack deeper into design uh, and get into the, the, the heart of this stuff. Um, there's, there's, there's something on my mind. Um, it's, it's, it's a shape. Uh, no, uh, I'm not going to do clairvoyance. Uh, some of it's based on like sort of my, my recollections of, of the conversation with Jacob because it's, it, I've had many conversations with people since. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like what makes it into what we publish versus what we go out and gather, um, just to sort of clarify things. Uh, these days, just because of the workload, we're we're going out and we're seeing a lot more than we necessarily do full reviews on, and we're I, I'm sort of trying to figure out because I'm at this place where my standards are getting higher, like, like higher and higher all the time because I keep on seeing great work and I keep on seeing the potential, uh, let alone the ultimate potential of immersive as a whole. Um, I'm seeing the potential in the form at the moment. And there are times when I think that I should be, uh, dispatching folks who are sort of newer to see sort of first time company stuff. So they get that sort of first blush feeling. Uh, and there are other times when I'm, I'm very glad that I, the one that I've sort of taken that on, like, a, like that sort of how I decided the division should be like a year ago, like try and send, try and send newer writers to cover, uh, older established companies. Um, you know, I still, I still go right. You know, like that's, that's a thing that happens. But there are times when I go see stuff, um, and this sort of came up in, in this episode, where um, things aren't either aren't fully baked, or there are there are things where just like perspectives aren't being uh, angles aren't being figured out, and a lot of that comes down to folks folks are still kind of like me stumbling through and and kind of guessing at stuff. There's even folks who are working with very large budgets uh, who are kind of you know, making it up as they go along. And it's not necessarily fair for me to lower the boom, if you will, uh, and expect the same thing from a company that's been working for years uh, and folks who are doing their their first or, or even their third piece of work. Um, so sometimes what happens is I, I sort of give my notes behind the scenes. Um, I say, all right, Hey, here's what, here's what I saw. Here's what you need to be considering. And I sort of spare the rod. Um, there's, there's times when something's, I don't know. Um, I guess you could say broken enough that 
uh, you kind of got to call it out, but I'm not, I'm not a person who, who enjoys calling things out for the sake of calling things out. Like if I, if I call something out, it's because we've researched the hell out of it. Um, I just hold that sort of standard. Like I want to know intent. I want to, uh, dispel doubt. It's a, it's a relatively high standard. Now, the flip side of that is there are times when I've got so many doubts about something, um, but I don't have it on lock or I'm just, you know what, like for now, I'm not going to touch it at all. I just, I just can't, I can't in good conscience um, cover certain things, um, because I've got too many doubts. Let me tell you right now, you don't know which ones are which. <laughs> you just don't. Um, I know there's folks who, uh, who, who who really love keeping up with everything, uh, who like guess at my motives and like, what's he doing now? Um, I, I see the chatter. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the chatter, but I see it. Uh, it's, it's, it's out there, whatever. Um, but you, you just, you don't know. You don't know what I'm up to. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily totally know if, if I knew what you, if I knew you knew what I was up to, but I do see some speculation sometimes and I'm like, mm, no, that's how, that's how what's happening. Um, so don't worry about it is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, we, we have our published ethical standards, which I think is very important for publications to have published ethical standards. Uh, not out of some sort of like, like Ooh, Gamergate thing, but like, no, I mean, that's what a, that's what a publication, when you're getting serious and getting professional, you have standards and you make them transparent so people understand where you're coming from. Um, you make it easier for people to calibrate, um, simple as that. So we have those. And if something doesn't reach that threshold, then we, you know, definitely don't cover it. Um, and then for other things, there's just, there's this moments where it's like, oh, I, I just don't. I don't know. There will probably even be times when we'll cover something from a company uh, because it fits within our rubric and then we'll turn around and the very next thing we won't cover because it doesn't fit within the rubric. Um, if you have questions about um, a, a particular show, um, you know, feel free to feel free to ask me. Um, I, I may or may not have a reason that all willing to share. Uh, but I'm doors open, you know how to find me. Um, <laughs> given how often my phone blows up, I know you know how to find me. All right. Um, so that's just one of my little editorial note things are on my brain. Nothing's, nothing's currently pressing down. Uh, it's just, you know, sort of came up in the episode and I wanted to, I want to put a button on it. So there's the button. Oh, kind of wish I had made that sound. Whatever. Um, all right. It's Friday morning. I got to go do the day job. Um, I'd rather stay here all day with you. Open up an AMA, finish like two reviews. I got to write and organize a bunch of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that needs organizing. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you know, until that day, until all are one, um, <laughs> I got to go do the day job. So, 
Be good to each other. Have fun at Comic-Con. I wish I was there. I wish I was in the DC thing. I wish I was running around Castle Rock. Hi, Terrence. Hi, Carly. Hi, Joss Randall. Hi, Spencer Williams, who are over at Castle Rock. Uh, I don't know what Scaredlies or Scared Lies is, but I saw that Deirdre and Dasha are, are doing like some, some kind of activation for that. It's a Facebook watch show. Uh, what? Um, and, uh, it's, I feel like it's romper room right now. Like everyone's out and playing. I'm so happy for everybody. Um, shout out to the San Francisco crew. Shout out to the IDS. Oh yeah. I didn't make any deals about that. Well, geez. Yeah. Uh, so that we announced that this week, um, February 22nd and 23rd in San Francisco venue soon to be announced. Maybe cause we're just finishing signing the, the rental agreement. Hint, hint. Um, we're scaling up. Yes, we're scaling. I'll tell you that right now. So it's things going to be different this year. Well, next year, because it's still this year. It's still, I still think of IDS as have happened last year, but it happened in January. It's been a long year, people. It's been a really long year. Um, but yeah, we're, um, we're like, what is it? Seven months out? Something like that? Eh, more or less. More on that soon. More on that very soon. All right. That's enough from me. Uh, the sustaining backers of No Persinium. Let's do the business, Noah. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. You can find No Persinium wherever fine podcasts are sold. Well, increasingly so. Uh, we're trying to get on Spotify right now. So tell your friends. Tell all your friends. I'm Batman. Um, until next time. I'll see you at the show.